capitalism and socialism and communism are considered to be social systems, but in actual fact they, they're not, they weren't developed that way. Capitalism is an economic system. In one form it's probably been going on for thousands of years, the idea of buying and selling, even before money it was buying and selling using barter systems. And in, in um, the 19th century, Karl Marx wrote his uh, Das Kapital, and he developed what was, what was called the wage-labour theory of capital. And um, it's actually a perfectly valid um, analysis of capitalism, where he says that the value of uh, goods, the cost of goods, is derived from the cost of the labour that goes into the goods. And I think that's largely true. In capitalism, the state really takes no major part. In fact, there has to be a certain amount of freedom. People have to be able to um, apply for jobs, um, leave jobs, um, travel around, you know, to get jobs and so on. Buying and selling has to, has to be fairly free in order for capitalism to work. Over the last few hundred years, um, states have stepped in ostensibly to restrict, you know, unfettered capitalism, but actually there's a lot of other motives going on there as well. Libertarians would argue that um, the state really should know, have no involvement in capitalism at all. Now, socialism and communism are state-based economic systems instead of the value of a product being derived from the value of the labour. The value of the goods or the distribution of goods and the, um, the assignment of labour is done by the state. The slogan is that in socialism, it's from each according to their ability, to each according to their ability. In other words, the harder you work, the more you're going to make, which isn't true in capitalism. I mean, capitalism, you get people who do nothing, get paid a huge amount, and hard workers can get nothing, or very little. So it's a more, it was seen as a more um, egalitarian, more, more equal system. And, and as a stepping stone, socialism was considered a stepping stone towards communism. And the slogan in communism is from each according to their ability to each according to their need. Now, in both these systems, of course, it's the state that assigns um, what your ability is and what your need is. And therefore, what your skills are, what you should be working at and so on. There is an inherent restriction on labour and on movement. If you have a particular skill doing something in, in you know, communism in the way it's set out, you should be doing that skill. You shouldn't be branching off and doing something else just because you want to. It's not your freedom. Your labour is there for the use of the state and for the use of others. Now, it's apparent that um, we are moving from a capitalist society to a communist society. Well, it would appear that way. 
In fact, capitalism in its true sense probably died out maybe sometime after the 1970s. We're really in a, a situation of monopolism. Large companies rule, um, rule uh, you know, certain segments of the market. And they may put up with certain small players, but they will wipe them out if they become a problem. And these large players dictate to governments and so on. But you know, anybody can point their finger at capitalism and point to injustices and, and so on. Anybody can point to communist countries or socialist countries and point out the absurdities and the inequalities there, despite the state control, or maybe because of the state control. The problem is that any system is going to fail because it's dependent on people, and people are corruptible. There's a certain relationship of capitalism to the natural world. In the natural world we have a seed, and the seed is inert, it has really only potential. We plant that seed and we put labour into it, we water it, we nurture it. That seed gives rise to, let's say, a corn plant, and then we take the seeds of that corn plant and we plant them, and then we have a we have more and more corn, and then we might employ people to use that to dig up that corn and so on. The relationship of having that seed and then growing it. It's the same as having a seed of an idea and growing it. We, we grow it into companies, we employ people and so on. There's a natural quality about it. But of course what we've done with farming is we've um, distorted the natural growing of things by using artificial uh, poisons and, and uh, fertilisers and other such things. And what we've produced is largely... Um, crap that really doesn't do very much for the human body at all except maybe give it some uh, enough just to keep going and in a way the same things happen with with capitalism we've destroyed the seed of it um, through corruption you know when i hear that people say oh it's inherent in in capitalism that people have to get more and more and greed and so on I would simply argue that, that that's ob it's obviously not true. The vast majority of businesses, certainly in Australia and I think in most countries, are small businesses. And in these small businesses, usually the person who's the owner of the company maybe does all the work, or even if he employs people, would generally do more work than any of the others because they have to. Um, they usually don't exploit their workers. They usually have a very good relationship with their workers. And I know, I know from personal experience, I know many people, you know, if their business um, suffers or goes down, they feel, one of the things they feel badly about is letting their staff down. They feel a responsibility to their staff. Um, you know, so even some uh, unmarried mother who's making some small trinkets and selling them on the internet isn't there to exploit people or to take advantage of people. In fact, they're probably very concerned about providing good service and good value for money. What causes it to go wrong is when people lose sight of this and they, they become corrupted with power. And what the base of that is, is when people lose their moral compass. 
when they turn away from the divine and they move towards well, <laughs> what they call science and atheism and crap like this. You know, the irony is that the biggest um, uh, uh, critics of, of capitalism uh, are the sceptics and the atheists and the anti-religious people. But it's their way of thinking that causes um, capitalism to go wrong. But then if you look at socialism and communism and look at all these wonderful ideas, where does it go wrong? It goes wrong in corruption. And this is what happened after the Russian Revolution was simply power struggles, which resulted in Trotsky being killed and... Um, uh, Stalin coming to power and the absolute ruthlessness of Stalin which would never have been allowed in a, a capitalist democracy um, and this argument no well this wasn't real communism and you could do it properly well you're not going to do it properly because you're always going to suffer from the problem of um, people and people who don't have a moral compass you know in one sense the ideal you could argue that the ideal um, way of running a country is a theocracy, but I mean that's gone badly wrong in Iran and places in Afghanistan and places like this, because their interpretation of what they think God wants is completely corrupt. You're simply again dealing with corrupted individuals. The system becomes irrelevant. You're so long as you've moved away from any real moral compass, you've. Um, You've stuffed yourself. It doesn't matter what system you use. It's not going to work. The only way out of the mess is not to blame capitalism, which in which in, is not a bad system. In fact, it's probably about the best system in most circumstances. There are exceptions. Is not to blame the system, but to look at the underlying psychology. And of course, it's this underlying psychology that is being absolutely um, ridiculed and um, misunderstood, deliberately misinterpreted by our, our media. The ideas of Carl Jung, for instance, and the idea of the archetypes and the, the dark side of people, which he wrote a lot about, and how this can manifest if it's not dealt with is not even considered. And when you do a psychology degree, you won't even look at Carl Jung, probably. It's all just psychological test and profiling and nonsense like this. And this is what passes for psychology. And now it's got to the point where even, you know, what, what uh, Carl Jung called the animus and the anima, which are the masculine and feminine archetypes within us, is really cool. This all, you know... It's, they say it's all just nonsense, the idea of male and female, and even the biology of it is now ridiculed and, and, um, and disregarded. And when you throw this away and you reduce people to, uh, essentially to their, to their own, um, almost like a parody of themselves, you know, the transvestite, the, the, the drag queen is a parody almost of the feminine, which is they, they claim to represent. Um, and everything becomes a parody of themselves because you've lost the essence, you've lost the subtlety, you've lost the reality behind it. 
and psychology in any real understanding got lost. And of course, one of the results of that is that the ability of people to look at their own psychology has been taken away. This is why we have this problem with, you know, transgender and people wanting to, um, you know, boys want to become girls and so on. Because the ability for them to look at their issues as a psychological issue has been taken, deliberately taken away. And the therapists who should be helping them with that work uh, either are incapable of it, unprepared to do it, and in many cases they are banned from doing it. Um, how ridiculous can you get? No, if they say you mustn't look at the psychological, um, the deep psychological uh, problems that are causing this issue to come up and, and manifest as a male, you know, boys transgender issue. You've got to disregard those and just take it as a surface thing that it's a transgender issue. Um, so there's no self-analysis. There's no insight. Um, people become mentally unstable because of this. And because they're mentally unstable, they are very easy to manipulate. You see, if you have a psychological problem and somebody says to you, all you have to do is take these pills and have this operation and your problems will be solved. Don't need to look at anything. You don't need to read any books. You don't need to study anything. It's there. Just do this. What happens, of course, is that the problems aren't solved. And then they say, oh, but this isn't your fault. This is everybody else because they don't use your right pronouns or because they don't treat you as a real woman. It's everybody else. You blame everybody else for your problems. But capitalism in itself is a very reasonable system. Um, there are situations, for instance, in small communities where they have a disaster, where capitalism becomes really very extremely unfair and it makes more sense for people to pool their resources. And one of the ironies is that in America, when they have you know these small towns get hit by uh, massive uh, storms, the people will generally band together and help them help each other out to a tremendous extent. We see it in Australia as well. And it's strange, isn't it, that these uh, centres of capitalism should produce these, um, these islands of, of um, selflessness. Uh, it disappears where you get, you know, people who have lost any touch of humanity and um, lost touch with that naturalness. Oh, I'm not going to help you because you're uh, racist or transphobic or, you know, you're middle-aged and white and male or something like that. That's when it disappears. Um, and, of course, um, in the socialist um, and communist uh, systems, it's the state that can quite easily make these decisions. In China... The state controls your money, it controls everything. And um, if you criticise the state, and there's many accounts of reporters who have done this, they've pointed out corruption or something like that, and um, they, 
their credit system gets cut off. They can't travel, they can't write, they can't do or can't publish. Um, they can't even buy groceries from the food from the store because their credit card isn't accepted and they don't take cash. And this is what's going to happen, of course, in the West. Um, these wonderful socialist systems, yeah, they're, they're, well, they're not all very well, but they appear to have a certain um, benevolence about them. But the problem is they're run by people. And the underlying, one of the underlying slogans that's been inherent in the communist system right since the early days is the end justifies the means. So if, you know, you have to expend a few people um, and cut them off, uh, you know, so they can't make a living or something like that, well, that justifies it for the majority. We see this with COVID, that people who suffer from uh, the side effects of the COVID vaccination or they see people dying or whatever, are told um, the... Uh, you know, that's, um, well, you might, we cut them off. You mustn't talk about it. You mustn't do anything. It's the end justifies the means. This is what's happening. This is the society we're coming to. So because, as I say, capitalism, socialism, communism are essentially economic systems, we have to watch the economy. We have to watch the money and how the money is being used and abused and how big companies are acting and how they're behaving and the relationship between com big companies such as Pfizer to governments or you know Microsoft or Apple to the relationship they have with governments. And this is what we have to be very careful of because this is the economy and it's, you know, in the end, as they always say, follow the money. And it's the economic system that gives rise to the social system, um, not the other way around. Um, the social system, whatever social system you have, it's going to be ruled, or pretend to have, because essentially it's going to be ruled by money. You'll finish up with a, an economic system, even if you think you've got a social system. And money rules, and if the, if the state controls the money, the state controls your, you, it controls your freedom. We are getting to a point, and it's really only just around the corner, where cash in the way that we know it, which has got more and more constrained, will be abolished, will be moved to some online money, which will essentially be state-controlled. Um, what you buy and what you sell will be restricted. You could be stopped from buying certain things, selling certain things. Money could even be given a, a time period. You get your pay. But you have to spend it, or at least a certain proportion of it, within two weeks, for instance, or three months, you know. Um, otherwise, it just becomes useless. The state will control you. It control everything. This is the new slogan, isn't it, of the new world order. You will own nothing and you will be happy. Well, I don't know about that happiness. Um, with the state control, as I say, from each according to his ability, to each according to the ability, the state is determining what your ability is. You will have no say in that.
you for listening. You can email me, phil at graham.net. You can look at my website, philip with one L dot graham.net. Graham is B-R-A-H-A-M. And if you send an email, put podcast in the subject so it doesn't get lost.